0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're winding down the week. Feeling good? We got the weekend coming. I, You know, for some people, the weekend isn't the weekend. <laughs> for a multitude of reasons, some people work through the weekend. Or their weekends are full of uh, what mine tend to be full of at times. Laundry, cleaning. Got the kids, got other people at home working. So anyway, we're going to focus on self-care, joy, pleasure. You can always find moments to build that in, right? There's so many different ways to do that. We've talked about that, build that in. Got a great show plan for you, though. We're going to do a little bit of uh, some COVID update as to, well, what now? How's it impact things? And then uh, later in the show, do a little couples therapy. That's right, talking about some couples issues, including how um, everything that's going on is affecting people's libido. I want to start with some interesting things. Again, another article looking at uh, how we had thought that maybe there'd be a baby boom. <laughs> but we're calling it uh basically from boom to bust because uh lockdown has still not led to more babies why well you know, come on, all that's going on is not making people think that they should expand their family or not necessarily interested in intimacy. People are focused on other things, financially insecure or worried about other. I mean, it's an interesting time. I can, I understand why people are not like, ah, I feel so romanticized. I feel like I want to expand my family right now, take on more love, but also more, uh, complication and stress. So not surprised. Um, also, sorry, there's there's so much going on uh, this past week. I'm trying to figure out what I want to bump into next. You know, we've got, uh, I I didn't really want to talk about this. I posted a few different things on my social media about it. Um, we got the sheriff who has some, uh, some data coming out about he uh, himself might uh, be a big old racist in terms of the Atlanta uh, violence that, you know, three, uh, how many was, it? I don't know the exact number, but it was um, Asian immigrant sex workers and uh, you know, again, people people trying to sling around that sex addiction term. We've talked about it a multiple of times. I have posted my articles about this, and it's in my books. But uh, sex addiction is not an accepted diagnosis. All the mental health organizations, including the diagnostic manual itself, which determines what's a real diagnosis, does not include sex addiction. It was rejected. It's been rejected by the American Psychological Association, psychiatric association, and more importantly, ASECT, who is the governing body of sex therapy. They've all rejected. The only people that use it are the people that are perpetuating and making money off of writing books and training individuals as sex addiction therapists. So that's why I always tell people see a certified sex therapist, CST, not sex addiction therapist, they're not trained in sex therapy. but they're using that again as a defense. We use that with Harvey Weinstein. And it's like, no, that's not what's going on here. Even it was used for Tiger Woods when he cheated. It's not what's going on at all. This person is a white supremacist. It's not just happenstance that it was uh, Asian individuals that were targeted or immigrants. Um, he's also sex phobic. And that's why they're using that word. He felt afraid of sex and out of control. And that's why he targeted sex workers. Um, And that's why culturally we need to develop more confidence and ability to talk about and encounter sexuality. It is something that has a lot of anxiety and fear in there. There's so much in there. He's also toxic masculinity, um, his own relationship to women and his sex life, all that's in there. That's what the issue is, it's not sex addiction. This isn't someone who was trapped in a compulsive seeking for sex and felt overwhelmed and needed to remove triggers. That doesn't even make any sense. There's so many other ways someone might go about doing that. So let's just root it in what it is, some more white supremacy and and kind of start to tackle that and um, really work on supporting our Asian and Asian American uh, community members. Heartbreaking, heartbroken to continue to see people reporting on this, continuing to. And wasn't helped by our president calling things, you know, the China virus. My God, if that's not a profound overt act of racism, I don't know what that is, right? So more to come out around that. Heartbreaking that we still have to continue to talk about this. Also, I don't watch this show or shows like this, so Forgive me, but Married at First Sight. I know it's a show that a lot of people have enjoyed, not my kind of viewing, so I haven't watched it. But they're, uh, as they say, clutching their pearls and finding out that the groom is bisexual. Uh, Married at First Sight Australia. Fans clutched their pearls in it after the show's first openly bisexual groom revealed how many sexual partners he's had. So it's like, okay, we're down finally a little bit in some circles with understanding bisexuality as a valid sexual identity. But now we're just shaming him talking about the number of individuals he's been with well yeah he's lived a life that's always going to be something and we have to stop pathologizing people based on decisions they've made that made sense to them yeah some people are really out there going through sexual developmental milestones and really engaging and 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 are more sex positive that happens um that doesn't speak to his character in fact in our culture it makes someone of higher character that they're not conforming or sitting in that kind of phobia You know This this shooter himself, whose name I'm not gonna drop because I just don't wanna give any more attention to him. I wanna talk about the issue, which is the white supremacy and all that. People like him would be better served to be more relaxed and confident. Um, He has to resolve his anxiety around stuff like that. So I always tell people, when someone asks you about your number of partners, I think the answer should be, it's just not relevant. What is it you're trying to understand or figure out? Let me give you a better answer. What's the real question? Because usually it's a loaded question. They're trying to make a judgment about you, your personality your character, or how much if they can trust you. And that's just not how you find that out. So I always tell people, there's no reason to answer that. Most people can't be trusted with that kind of information. So again, you say to them, what's the real answer? Let me help you. What are you really trying to figure out or decide about me? Let's just go there. You know, let's be honest. Oh, uh, never dull. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about some COVID stuff, doing a little COVID check-in and uh, talking about, well, what now? And looking at the ways that um, we've kind of been dealing with it in terms of coping mechanisms. And uh, getting into some couples therapy. And then, of course, DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page right there in those DMs. And uh, we will answer your question for you. So stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And um, I'm going to spend some time really quickly just talking about some COVID stuff. Gosh, I know y'all are so thankful loveline is not a new show i'm not a journalist or reporter we just talk topically we do therapy but there are some topics that really do fold under the mental health umbrella and i always want to call that out and so you know politics at times are very much in, in entwined with our mental health and COVID's one of those there's a lot of things that have led to and and are result of and i want to just kind of uh, unpack some of them but first i just want to just give you all some reminders A lot of people, some of them are joking, some of them are serious saying things like, you know, can't wait to get that vaccine, you know, the day after I'm gonna be making out with everyone. And it's like, I hope you're joking. And I don't know. So let's just talk about some information that we covered once before. But this is your uh, loving weekly reminder. Um, Yeah, you can't do that. (laughs) You are not fully vaccinated the day of your last dose, Uh, you are not. It takes weeks. It takes weeks to build that immunity. I think it's three to four weeks, depending. Please ask your provider when you get the vaccine. Um, But yeah, you gotta wait weeks. And even then, remember, it's not 100%. We both need us, we need as many people to get vaccinated as possible before it's safe to return to the world is the message it's not enough that you've gotten yours you can still possibly become infected and transmitted to someone else without having any symptoms that does matter that has to matter our impact on others it's not just are we safe it's not 100 safe even for you and again it takes time after your last dose for the full immunity to kick in that's the key point i really 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 want to drive home because a lot of people are making plans, booking things right away. And it's like, now, nah, y'all, we got to hang in there a little bit longer. But if we do it right, then we're done. Okay. Having said that, <laughs> experts <laughs> are giving us a cautionary tale here in the U.S. based on the virus surges that are happening in Europe. So again, this is not to sound the alarms, but this is just to tell everyone, be smart, be thoughtful, right? What happened is they... You know we have a lot of optimism let's use that word uh the death count is plummeting right states have eased restrictions which just another reminder that because your local government or state government has decided that they can ease restrictions that does not mean that all is well seriously please please continue to wear a mask and stay apart some of these states and local areas eased or or completely removed those restrictions that does not mean everything's okay Um, But health experts here in the U.S. are saying that what we're seeing happen in Europe should serve as a warning against us ignoring social distancing or letting our safeguards down. It's way too early. Um, And a lot of these different countries, this is actually a quote from the director of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. Each of these countries has had naders like we are having now and each took an upward trend after they disregarded known mitigation strategies. So basically what they're saying is when people did not continue to follow what the what the prog- you know provided guidelines are so as to drop infection rates when we didn't keep that going it bit us in the butt. You know, and so we want to be very thoughtful about uh, continuing to pay attention to that. You know, um, and I know some people are still got to have a lot of anxiety for others. It's become very normalized. And that's what's making people feel, you know, a little more comfortable about um, stepping out into the world. But for those that are still feeling really anxious, it's okay; It will dissipate. The more people that are vaccinated when you get vaccinated. But there's still tons of things to do to take our mind off things, to stay distracted. Like I said before, places like museums and art galleries are giving visual tours. That's amazing. Go outside and go hiking. You know what I mean? Um, Just practice resting Reading, meditation, whatever you need to do. Um, just remember that all this is going to alleviate itself. You know, in my practice, I'm still having people talking about, you know, hey, I'm seeing people getting out in the world. The world's opening up, and they're saying, I'm not feeling ready or I'm not feeling safe. And my response is again, take your time. Take your time. Just like like later in the show, we're going to be doing some couples therapy. We're going to talk about some relational, marital stuff. But I I'm I'm going to also talk about that a little bit. That you know, we're gonna need to take some time with our comfort around touch and intimacy and human closeness. But right now, I just wanna remind everyone that we're gonna slowly take our own pace and go with what feels good to our mental health as to how quickly we kind of jump back out into the world. Um, But that's how it's supposed to be with everything. Transitions are really important. You know, we talk about that even relationally, right? Like when you come home, is you're transitioning back into the home or back into your relationship when you exit, when you wake up? And those are really important touchstones and moments that we really want to honor by saying hello, giving someone a kiss, grounding ourselves, changing our clothing, taking a shower. Transitions are huge. And we're going to talk more about that as we transition back out into life. And for those that return to the office, what that will mean. So we'll go on that journey together. But in the meantime, we we just still need to follow the precautions and just really keep current with the information that's coming out around the vaccines, the potentiality of us needing to get booster shots down the road. Okay. But right now we're just looking at what we have before us and we have still got some more time with this stuff. So be thoughtful. I'm seeing a lot of risk taking, even with people that don't have the vaccines at all, (laughs) you know, and I'm, you know, helping my family because finally they're able to now kind of, um, Walk themselves through that process, especially my mom. I have a very sickly mom, and she has a lot of an immune issue and uh, respiratory issues. And so, you know, that's someone I've been very worried about. And so that's why I think it's personal for me when I see people disregarding rules because I know that they have the potentiality of negatively impacting my mom, spreading it to someone or spreading it to her directly. You know, I'm talking to her about staying away from her friends that aren't following protocol. You know, but also talking about the safe ways too. She can meet her friends outside. They can sit across her on the lawn wearing their masks, time outdoors, time apart from others, you know? So our lives can still be lived. Um, but yeah. So uh, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what is what is scary now. I saw a really interesting, funny article about what, what was not formally anxiety-inducing culturally that now is as a result of the pandemic. And it's kind of a list of the things that we're gonna have to work through and push through. But I'm bringing it up because I really want to normalize some of these idiosyncratic responses that people are having. Um so it's kind of funny to watch some of my more confident, uh, fearless, robust friends actually have these very humanizing moments of vulnerability around having fear of something. <laughs> You know, it's always the ones that you least expect it that are most impactful. Uh, oh, those fearless friends of ours. But it's nice to see those moments of humanity. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveland IG page. In the DMs there, whatever your questions are, we are here for you. We are here for you. So drop them in there. We'll be answering those. And uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about uh, some of the things that are now scary for us. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're just finishing up our discussion about COVID, COVID impacts on uh, everything, but especially our mental health and our relational health. And remember, our relational health is our mental health. They're they're, they're tied, they're aligned, they intersect, they're, they're paralleled. Um, again, I wanna know someone's mental health. I ask them about the relationships they're in, the quality of them, what kind of partner they are, what kind of friend they are. It's where our mental health is called into question. That's where it's brought up. All the relationships we're in of all different kinds are a mirror held up where we see our mental health. Being single. Single and alone is the easiest position. Uh, Again, isolation is very neurologically uh, and psychologically toxic, but being alone on an island or off on our own for the day, we're just up against ourselves. But the minute we step in a relationship as a parent, as a friend, as a lover, that's when all of our stuff gets brought up. That's when mental health, all the things we do in therapy or, or we work on in ourselves, that's when we actually have to utilize them. That's when we most profoundly utilize them. That's when it actually matters the most. We're impacting others, right? When with ourselves, it's just us impacting ourselves, which is important, but impacting others, now we've expanded You know the damage that can be done. And so it matters a lot. So we're always tracking that and paying attention. Um, again, again, another loving, 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 gentle reminder, I like how I frame that. Pay attention to the forms of coping. Uh, I'm looking at a study right here, this is from the APA, nearly one in four Americans, okay, that's, that's a decent number, report drinking way more alcohol than they're comfortable with, to cope with all the stresses related to the pandemic. Okay, that's not good. <laughs> because again, I'm hearing some people say, "Ah, oh, well, as soon as the pandemic's over, I'll go back to how I used to drink. Really? Well, what, what is this magical day that you'll be like, ah, it's finally over, and when is that? And things leak. We're like, "Ah, oh, well, just this weekend as well. I'll just finish the year out. Be very thoughtful about the habits you're forming now and the coping mechanisms that you're prioritizing, because at some point, you might wanna deprioritize them or give them up, and it might not be as fluid. Where it's the opposite. You've stepped into some really beautiful coping mechanisms that you want to take forward with you because you've let go and loosened up and you found things that work. So really just pay attention. That's all this is really about. I can't give you a diehard rule that will make everyone's drinking make sense or be better, but just look at the impact. How do you, you know, what kind of impact is drinking having on not just your life as in consequences, but also how available are you? And what are you supposed to be available to during those times with which you choose to drink? You know, if you're always intoxicated when around your partner or your children or your friends, well, that's a negative outcome. You're not being your full, present, anchored self. You know, alcohol doesn't bring out our more honest or better self. It just brings out an intoxicated version of ourselves. So it's not that we speak more truth. Sometimes we're speaking falsity because our executive function's not in there really, appropriately processing whether or not we believe that. We've all heard the term beer goggles, which is this idea that we don't really see what we see or we're hooking up or doing things with people that we normally wouldn't want to. People say things that they wouldn't say. It doesn't make it more honest. It makes it more problematic. Um, And we're also being thoughtful with our relationship to food. I'm gonna bring that up yet again because I'm still seeing people posting things about quarantine weight. Listen, you keep that to yourself. There are a lot of people that are struggling to learn to love themselves and let themselves be where they are. And that process is really thwarted and made harder when they're having to encounter people reminding them and keeping them obsessive about checking in on whether they've gained weight or lost weight. Like, let's just step outside of that. No one needs to see you posting pictures publicly about the weight you've lost or the weight you've gained or your fitness journey. That's private, keep that to yourself. That is triggering and derailing other people's work. And I know this is my personal controversial opinion, but I don't see much value in that being what someone's dedicated their time to is that kind of body modification to me. I I don't see that as exciting. I don't give credence to that. I'm not impressed by that. I'm impressed by people doing the emotional psychological work. That's impressive. Show me what you're reading. Show me how you're working on yourself. Show me how you're paying attention to the impact you're having on the world. Tell me how you're trying to make the world better. That blows my mind. Post about that. But you gain, you know, you losing weight or gaining muscle, big deal. Sorry. I know not everyone wants to hear that, but like that ain't important. That's not, that's the least important part of ourselves. That's our vehicle. Great. Keep it in, you know, keep, take care of your vehicle. Our bodies are what move us around through the world. But like, we got to come down a little bit. It's not that deep and we need to disengage our worth being tied to it. Right. So a little bit of reminder there, but let's go back to the earlier point, which is coping mechanisms. Ask yourself for a second, take a breath for a minute, which, what are your top three coping mechanisms? Okay, now that you've answered that question, how do you feel about the fact that those are your COVID mechanisms? And how do you feel about your relationship to them? Are they being misused, overused? Can you drop down the severity? Can you take a break from some of them? Can you replace them with something else, right? Can we go a a night or two without drinking? Can we maybe drink less, right? Look at our drug use. Can we go a day or two without using drugs? Can we use less, right? Really checking in on that, and and also remembering that even some of the things that are always quote unquote positive, more is not always better. People do wind up overtraining. We have a diagnostic term called orthorexia, which is people that are actually taking the attempt to eat healthy too far, and it becomes actually very um, avoidant. It's adding anxiety. It has its own forms of it's anorexic in its in its shape and form. So let's just be very thoughtful about all that. It does matter how we're impacting others and also ourselves. So. Reminder, check in on that. Like I said, later in the show, we're going to be doing a little couples therapy, checking in on our relationships and um, got some interesting stuff to talk about actually. So stick around for that. And of course, we'll be doing some DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our IG page and we'll answer whatever question you got. You guys always have good questions. And whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be too. And of course, DMs, I'm sorry, of course, love line. You can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, see my face, click on it. Tons of podcasts there, including other shows on Channel Q. So check them out too. And um, yeah, all right, we'll be back. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All righty, we are back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Remember, y'all, DMs come from our Love Line IG page. If you've got a question for us, drop it on in there. Always confidential, always anonymous, whatever you're worrying about, wondering about, struggling with. We got you. You got some free therapy there. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I have an 11-year-old son. And last week, he came home from his soccer practice in tears. Aw, because his best friend came out to him. That's beautiful. My first thought. I was so proud of his friend for trusting my son, but my son doesn't know how to handle it. We live in a pretty conservative area, although I try to teach my kids no hate and not to discriminate against anyone. He's taken it pretty hard, and I think it's more fear than it is hate. Is there a way I can talk to him about this? Man, this is beautiful for a multitude of reasons. I want to just first start out by applauding you as a parent, um, especially living in a conservative area. It can be really hard to stand alone and you know, imagine it actually try to talk about human rights, that everyone is worthy of rights, whether they're gay, trans, black, whatever's going on, disabled. It is heartbreaking, larger bodied. We just really don't want to accept anyone that's not cis white, hetero, gym bodied, you know, upper class, Catholic. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's such a small, small few boxes that we just want all the world to squeeze into. It's its quite gross and um, it's diverse in creativity that really makes the world move forward, not conformity and assimilation. Yet, that's what we seek to do. So props to you for being a good parent. Uh, it's a, You're a crappy parent if you don't do that. That is your job in parenting, right? Make the world better. Make your children go out there and make the world better. So well done. Your kid's 11, God bless them, you know? It's a lot for an 11 year old to handle in a conservative area. You know, I'm, I'm so thankful that this individual who came out to your son did trust your son, I think that's beautiful. And maybe that's kind of the starting point. You know, Talk to your son about homophobia and how scary and hard it must have been for this friend to come out to him. But let your son know that there's nothing he needs to do. There's no request on your son. Your son doesn't need to do anything differently. He just needs to be continue to be a caring, supportive person. He doesn't need to tell anyone, in fact, he shouldn't. And he just needs to be there for his friend. You know, but I would start by just also asking your son, like, you know, when someone has the tears, I always lovingly say, Hey, tell me what those tears are saying. You know, tell me what those tears mean. And, and just really leaning in and letting him communicate what his feelings are, because it sounds like you're not 100% sure. You know, you don't know if it's fear, if it's anxiety, and if he doesn't seem to know, it's really hard sometimes to connect what an emotion is really communicating. You can start to float those out. You know, maybe it's fear of this, or maybe it's anxiety about this. You know, you can help feed him some languaging. But I think it's really beautiful that he's able to come home and tell you that. I'm really, I think it's really beautiful that you raised a son, raised a son that's safe enough for someone else to tell him. And maybe also as a parent, as a parent, as a child in that school, maybe also go to the school and ask them what kind of lgbtqia alliance or groups or programs they have you know and you that's how you be a good ally continue to be a good ally but let your son know just his role as you know an ally is just to shut down any homophobic commentary to still be a friend to this person but it's scary and it's hard because it's new your son might not be familiar with someone being gay i mean a lot of people aren't unfortunately but um, you sound like you're doing good parenting and all your son needs to do is be there for him. You know, it's a very basic request because we know for people that are in the LGBTQIA box that just having one supportive person in their life significantly reduces some mental health issues and also suicidality. And so it's really important, you know. But um, we need more people to be allies. Uh, people shouldn't have to come out. And that's only because we assume that everyone's straight and we build the world around straightness. We need to stop doing that, you know. So anyway, it's a beautiful thing, but yeah, you got to sit down and really process with your son what, what those tears are about and then try to kind of provide some guidance and some support, maybe even some resources. Um, but also any educators that are listening, you need to, you need to have these things available at schools. Schools are where children spend most of their time. It's where a lot of socialization occurs. Everyone straight or otherwise needs to be educated about these things so that they might themselves be able to be the ally that supports someone coming out as trans or gay. Um, you know, I mean, I, I do put that responsibility on these institutions. It's meaningful. It's important. Uh, hurts my heart. So much work to do. I keep looking at the articles of all the individuals that are killed for being gay or trans. It's, it's quite heartbreaking. It can be overwhelming at times. Anyway, time to switch gears as difficult as it is emotionally. Uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to get into some couples therapy, talk about marriage and relationships, ways that the, uh, pandemic has impacted our libidos, ways to push through things to do. And then of course, we'll come back and uh, slide back into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, like I said, drop it into our DMs on the IG page, Loveline. And uh, want to check out more piss episodes of Loveline, go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down. Took me a minute to find myself. That's why I always give you guys the full rundown. Scroll down, find my face, click on, and there they are. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're doing a little couples therapy, that's right, that's right. Okay, so listen, a lot of people have uh, come in and out of relationships during uh, the pandemic, so we're holding space for the fact that, you know, our, our, our identity in the world might have shifted because we are now newly single, something has maybe been made more casual, or maybe the opposite, someone's been brought into your life and now you have more of a um, coupledom-based identity. Um. We're kind of just going with the flow, right? We're not taking everything too seriously. We're holding things a little lighter. We're understanding that we're within a specific context of things. Um, But I wanted to dive in a little bit to some of the things that couples and relationships that I'm working with right now. And I say right now, because again, we always have to contextualize everything. We can't ignore what's going on in a micro meso or macro level. So what I mean by that is if you're saying, wow, I'm I'm feeling as though recently I'm having my moods a lot lower. Okay, well, what's going on personally? That's the micro. What's going on mezzo? That's the in-between. That means you in relationship to maybe friends and family members. And then the macro is what's going on in the wider world because that will 100% impact how you feel about self, other, your body, everything. And we always want to look at place and time, and we don't do that. Psychology diagnosis based on the symptomology of the person in front of them. And it doesn't look at the meso or the macro. It doesn't say, yeah, but what what the symptoms that this person's demonstrating, what does that mean in relationship to these other levels and the systems that they're living within? That that does matter. And, you know, you can't say that someone's dealing with the standard uh, standard level of depression and just, you know, do some CBT or medicate that away if that's occurring as a natural healthy response to us watching, you know. Asian lives get 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 murdered, taken away, as it, uh, rooted in the the racism going on right now in the Asian American community because of things like COVID, right? So someone having anxiety or depression in relationship to that is a very understandable and healthy response, right? And so you don't want to make that a clinical issue that we work to get rid of as much as how do we cope? It, it becomes an issue of coping. How do we cope and and survive if not thrive, as an individual, especially if you're Asian American, within the hate that's being demonstrated against that community, right? So we always wanna contextualize. Wow, that really got away from romance and marriage, huh? Um, my point being is contextualize. So what does that mean within uh, what I wanna talk about? Well, a couple things. Uh, what's coming up a lot I'm seeing, I, I always watch trends. And I'll look at what, what's being asked, what are, uh, and when I say asked, I mean within DMs and whatnot, what's coming in my office clinically, and then also what am I seeing a lot of people talking about on the street, but also writing articles about, right? And one of them is, in relationship to uh, marriage and, and things like that, is a, a decrease or shift in people's affection or sexuality. Now, remember that, you know, sexuality is an important element of our life. Um, whether or not it's a drive is debatable. A lot of theorists don't believe that using the word drive with sex is the right way to look at it, sex drive. I'm fine with it. I, I don't feel the need to go much deeper for this topic. And that's gonna be, again, impact what's going on around you. If you're, if you're depressed, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, um, if you're bored, all these things that COVID and the pandemic have created, understandably, your sex drive is not operating. You've gone into self-preservation mode. And when our basic needs are challenged or not getting met, housing, security around finances and food, uh, social relationships feeling good, having access to the wider world, feeling good about our health, then understandably, the higher levels might not necessarily be operating. For some, it's the opposite. They're they're tired, they're horny, they're hungry, they're horny, they're bored, they're hungry, uh, horny, I mean. Um, I, I tend to fall into that camp a little bit. But then for others, it's a, it's a little more sensitive, their sexual psychology. And when they're trying to get their basic needs met, that that's something that they're not necessarily seeking or really focused on. So what do I mean in saying all that? Go easy on yourself, go easy on your partner. I don't want people to panic uh, based on relational or personal changes that are occurring as as a result of what's going on around us in the world. There's a lot going on, right? And so you have to hold it lightly, talk about it. You know, That's a really beautiful way to work with it is to, within the safe context of a, of a person you trust, processing, sharing, and bringing forward whatever whatever it is you're thinking about or struggling with, it, it, it softens it. It also helps your partner feel as though it can be discussed by them. It helps give them languaging. And there's something really meaningful and powerful about having someone witness, bear witness to whatever it is we're struggling with or going through, right? And so we want to allow that. And so bring it up, bring it forward, because again, we're always trying to normalize just discussing anything that falls under mental health. And sex drive, feeling uh, like as though you're leaning away or out of intimacy or vice versa, feeling like your partner is, is something we wanna normalize being able to talk about. It's not an accusation, it's not an attack, it's not a critique, it's not even a demand for change. It's just saying, hey, can we talk about the shift? Or hey, I wanted to talk about the shift. I wanted you to know where I'm at. Uh, maybe because I don't want my, you know the partner to personalize or to think something's wrong. You're just calling out that nothing's wrong. I'm just in a different phase. Some things have changed. That's part of the life cycle. Ebbs and flows of everything, right? Connection, disconnection. And we don't want to panic when those things happen, but we should be able to talk about it. Again, not demanding change, not making a problem of it, but just saying we can acknowledge that that's where we are right now. And then we, in doing so, acknowledge that we'll be somewhere else soon, so we're gonna, when we come back, we're keep talking about this. Um, you know, doing a little couples therapy, but also again, within the important context of what's happening around us and not being afraid of these changes, that these are natural, right? Uh, you will listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. We're doing a little couples therapy and we're honestly, what we're, we're really trying to do is just normalize shifts and change. Right now, within the context of all that's happening, we're, we're acknowledging that our mental health and our relational health, how we feel about self and other, is absolutely impacted by all the things that are going on around us. And we tend to not think in those terms. We tend to just think, oh, I'm feeling depressed, so I'm depressed. Not saying, hey, is this maybe an understandable, appropriate, and healthy response? um, as it always is to what's going on in the wider world around us and that it's not an internal symptom. There's not, it's not communicating something about me as much as it's communicating something about the world in which I'm, I'm participating. So sometimes it's not, it's, it's a cultural, it's a cultural symptom, right? If we're we're all anxious about, let's say our health and getting vaccinated, right? Um, getting access to vaccination. So our our collective generalized anxiety is a very appropriate response to worrying about becoming infected with COVID, passing it on to someone. Can I get access to the vaccine? What will my response to the vaccine be? It's a very understandable response of generalized anxiety around that. That's a cultural thing. That is not an individual symptom. Um, And so we need to be treating some of that culturally. What's the cultural cure to a cultural problem, right? What's the problem that this is a symptom of? And how can we work through that? So I wanna bring that down to a relational and marital level and say, listen, your your marriage, your relationship is gonna be impacted by that. And we're talking about normalizing, both being able to talk about how we're currently feeling as a result of that, and normalizing, saying I'm feeling less affectionate, I'm needing less closeness, needing less sex, or the opposite, I'm feeling like I need to be held more. I, I'm feeling as though I need more attention. And again, in expressing that, we're not making a demand, we're not critiquing, we're not criticizing, we're just sharing where we're at. Maybe that. Needs Need will get met. Maybe our partner will say, oh, I'd love to provide that. Or maybe our partner will say, thank you for bringing that up. I feel as though I'm in a, in a very completely opposite space. I'm needing less touch. Touch isn't feeling as good. And we're both just understanding where the other's at. Change isn't necessarily needed. Remember, sometimes we need to just allow the lack, right? And because our partner is always having their own experience. And our experience and our need isn't more important or meaningful than their experience or need. Us saying, I need more attention, I need more care, I need more touch, great. But if they're in a place where they need less attention, they need more time away and less touch, that is as important and as meaningful and as legitimate as what you're needing. And sometimes our needs are, like I'm saying, opposite. And we have to allow that. What does that mean to be in a relationship or married in this moment, because it will shift and change, but right now, when we have differing needs well it doesn't need to mean anything other than just differing needs and we'll intersect at times when we intersect but not a shift doesn't always need to happen so i don't want people panicking i want them to normalize that this is where we at this is currently who we are right because i a, a, another thing that's coming up in my office a lot is well what's next right like when and can i count on feeling better being around people and going out and standing in a line uh, around individuals and meeting someone for coffee or going to the gym or shopping. Yeah, it's gonna take time. Go slow, go slow, go at your own pace. I've afforded myself that. I'm not you know, gonna get vaccinated and then all of a sudden be holding full office hours. No, I'm gonna check in with myself. I'm gonna go slow. I'm gonna ease in, I'm gonna ease back in. You know, We have to be able to prioritize our mental health. And it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. We really want to get away from that. Oh, well, my colleague is back at the office, great. But you're not them and they're not you. And they have a different level of comfort and you're needing to still stay at home and request to work from home or to ease back in. That's what you do, mental health matters. It has to matter more than whatever else we're up against. But I want to talk specifically about relationships. I want to normalize vocalizing where we're at. But in order to do that, we have to be able to check in with where we're at and say, how am I feeling? right? And also recognizing that we have other resources to get some of our needs met. It can all go on our partner, especially when they're in a different place. We talk about love languages and some people's might be more affectionately driven, but other people, their love language, and again, this is where the love language concept, there's more than five, there's a multitude. And those five carry even subgroups. And some people, their love language is distance and space, time with self, that's how they feel loved when their partner is both with them and in relationship to them, but also isn't thrown off and allows, I don't like that word, but let's go with it, allows them to have time away where they're not being texted all the time, or they're given it being given a day or a night to themselves that is how they feel loved, right? Love language is to understand how your partner feels loved. It's not about you, it's about them, so you can provide that for them. And if your partner's love language is is having and being given space and time away, time with self, where it's, you know, they just wanna be in their own thoughts with their self, you have to give that to them. Even if you're someone who's needier and wants more closeness, great. They'll afford that to you at times to honor your love language and you'll give them time away and time apart Time where they're disconnected because that's their love language, and yes, we can do both. It's on and off, a hundred percent, unless you're with Sony who wants the same level of closeness you want, and then that's great. But we're checking with where we're at, what we need, and we're allowing shift and change to happen because that's the one thing that this time can promise is that none of this is, is going to be how it will always be. So for those that are saying, I wonder if I'll ever get back to where I was. Yeah, most likely will the law of human gravity. We go back to what's easiest, what's most familiar, what's most normalized in the different cultures that we you know, run and occupy. Um, but it might take some time, but we're all going to get back there. The pull, the draw, some people are more excited than others, but don't let your relationship get more... <sighs> more negatively impacted than it has to. And that's why the whole keyword is letting go, being lighthearted. But again, I'm trying to drive home and I'm gonna keep finding different entry points to remind people this. We always wanna ask what's going on in that other person's life because we tend to just personalize and make it about us and why aren't our needs getting met. We talked about this on another show, right? Like why didn't, they, why didn't they show up to my birthday party? Why didn't they text me on a certain holiday? Well, the first question should be what's going on in their life as to why maybe that wasn't able to be done or able to be a priority. Maybe they're going through a mental health issue and that day they needed to attend to themselves and and not text us happy birthday. That can't be a priority when someone's having a bad mental health day. It shouldn't and it can't and it's an unfair expectation. Same thing on a partner. If they're a little more detached, a little more distant, I want you to build the kind of relationship where you can discuss that and that can become known and that there's no demand on them because you're willing to prioritize and understand where they're at, right? That's part of a healthy relationship. Uh, we're gonna talk more about that we're gonna take a quick break we'll be closing out though later with some dms if you got a dm for us dms are always open on our loveline ig page drop your questions in there you're listening to loveline with dr chris on the new channel q and radio.com. all right we're back and uh, we're doing a little couples therapy so uh, we're busting through some myths as well so we're talking about the fact that look current moment has changed uh, a lot of our perspectives and our relationships to ourselves, our bodies, our partners, our sex drives, our libidos. Some people are saying, what is that? I know, I know. Um, we're not panicking though, right? We've talked about how naturally our libidos are going to drop or maybe even increase. We're going with the flow. Things change. They have been flow. Uh, Part of sexual health is is allowing accommodating for that, right? Holding loosely what you determine or see your sex drive as being, right? It's very contextualized, it's co-created. It's in response to our partners, right? What's going on with them, what's going on with us and other factors, you know, if something happens at work and your self-esteem tanks a little bit, well, yeah, expect to see that in terms of how confident or comfortable you are in your body and in intimacy and sitting with another. That's what's interesting about sex. All of our stuff gets brought up. But I wanted to just challenge something, um, this whole idea of, well, a couple things. First off, the idea of sexual prime versus genital prime. People conflate the two, meaning they collapse them into the same thing and they'll say, oh, your sexual prime is when you're young. Well, no, that's your genital prime, yes. Our genitals will function at their best in theory, the younger we are. Between 18 and 24, you're at your best to get pregnant. You're going to have the arousal system you want, the erection and orgasms of your dreams, theoretically. That's genital prime. Yes, that's early in our lives. However, the more important thing actually occurs later in life, and that's our sexual prime. And that's outside of how our body functions. It no longer matters. Why? We've we've evolved beyond that. It doesn't matter. We know that sex is more than penetration. Sex doesn't matter if you keep and always have an erection. Erections come and go. There's other ways to be sexual. We're more comfortable in our bodies. We're more comfortable asking for what we want. We're more comfortable with our partner or partner choices. And, and we can be ourselves. And so there is no failure or letdown. It is what it is. You and your partners come together and you do what you feel like doing and it's about connection and pleasure. And that's our sexual prime. And that should get better and more confident and increase the older we get. We know who we are. We have better boundaries. We don't have sex we don't wanna have. We ask for what we want. We've done that work. We're more empowered. And so our general prime is earlier on, sure, but that's not the meaningful stuff. Our sexual prime is what matters more. Are we able to be intimate? Do we, we, do we deal with and roll with having erectile disappointments and other other levels of disappointment? Asking for what we want. We've talked about people coming out later in life as gay, bisexual, right? We're stepping into our truer selves. We're having creative, more diversified sex. Maybe we've started having three ways or opened our relationship up or now we're bringing porn in or we're having same-sexed sexuality. Or for some, we're finally having opposite-gendered sexuality or stepping into gender fluidity right? So it's a really beautiful time. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Maybe try to keep an eye on that, hold space for that. The other thing I want to talk about also is that a lot of people's advice or thoughts on marriage and relationships are really rooted in toxic forms of monogamy, toxic forms of marriage, where we think, oh, you know, have all the sex or fun you can as as a youth, because when you get older, people have believed historically that marriage means we don't have as much sex anymore, or marriage means no sex, or marriage means sex isn't fun. And it's like, No, that's such an outdated, sexist, toxic way of looking at relationships, that they're a problem, that they're a letdown. No, we're no longer, it's 2021, we're no longer staying in relationships with people we don't like. We're no longer allowing sexless marriages if that's not what we want. We're asking for sex. We're being more honest. We're challenging ourselves and our partners. We're leaving when the love is gone. No, no. Being in a long-term later relationship should no longer be an old ball and chain, you know, where I'm so thankful for golf, it's kept my marriage together because my husband's never around. No, we're not in relationships anymore with people we don't like. We're having sex well into our sexual prime in our later years. We are only forming relationships with people we like and wanna be with. We're focusing on friendship in our relationships because we now know that that's one of the most important factors for long-term happy relationships is you truly have a friendship and you like each other, which is a shocking theory or concept for some prior generations because they thought, well, being in a relationship is a lot of work. You're not always happy. No, that's not true. It shouldn't be a lot of work and you should be happy. It should be a little bit of work at times. You should generally be happy and you like each other. That's actually what it should be. And we're going for that, we're going for that. We're not gonna have the marriages our parents had. Some of them are not aware that love can last, sex can last, you can like your partner, you can actually wanna be with them. I was blessed. Up until my father's death a couple years ago, my mom and dad would always hold hands in the car. My dad would leave my mom love notes. It was a beautiful thing. They did everything together, they enjoyed each other. Uh, they They were still sexual. They were very affectionate and romantic. It was a beautiful thing, it showed me. Everything I'm talking about, that that is possible and people do do that, and I'm so thankful for that. And that's why I've left relationships when the love's not there, because we also know that the length of time is not what determines the relationship's success, it's that you left when you needed to and you were a good partner while you were there. That's what we're holding ourselves accountable to, right? So we have to get rid of these old, outdated narratives that keep people scared, or not taking care of themselves, or not speaking up, or not setting boundaries. We're, we're getting honest, we're empowered, we're, we're asking for the changes we need. It's a new model and it's foreign to the older generations, you know, that say, oh, your youth, it's the best time. Nah, it doesn't have to. We don't need to follow this decline narrative that as we get older, it's about loss. No, as we get older, it's about a lot of gain. You, you lose the things that are meant to be lost and you gain the things that you, that you need to master and we do the work right? So, um, you know, we're getting rid of the ageism, getting rid of the toxic monogamy. It's all in there. It's a bummer holds people back and it doesn't have to be. All right, y'all coming up next, we're going to be uh, sliding into those DMS. If you got a DM for us, drop it as always in our love line, energy page right there in the DMS. Uh, you listen to love line with Dr. Chris on the new channel, Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one says hey Dr. Chris, I love listening to your show. Thank you. Thank you. I had a question last week. You did a segment about how to break up. Ah yes, breakups, they're difficult. I get asked a lot, how do I break up with someone and essentially it turns into without hurting their feelings, right? We talked about that. You don't, it hurts. You do it anyway, it's part of it. I broke up with my girlfriend of four years. Oh, it's a long time. And it was the toughest thing I've ever had to do. Yeah, I know, it's really hard to hurt people, especially people we care about. Especially people who care about that haven't done anything to really be able to understand why that's happening. It's hard. Quick reminder though, if someone breaks up with you, You don't have a right to be mad at them. You can be disappointed, you can be let down, but you can't be mad at them. People are allowed to break up with people, they have to. Someone doesn't owe you the continuation of a relationship that they're no longer interested or able to be in. But I see people get mad. You can't get mad for being broken up with. In fact, in our day and age, where some people just ghost and cut and run, there has to be a level of like, thank you, thank you for telling me. I'm I'm bummed, I'm disappointed. Maybe even lovingly saves our way to still be friends or whatever it is, but like we have to make it easier on everyone. Anywho, back to your question. I broke up with my girlfriend of four years. It was the toughest thing I've ever had to do. That was about six months ago, okay? We've maintained a cordial friendship ever since. Awesome. Just because you're not interested in romance or sex, it doesn't mean you can't transition into just friendship. That's a healthy, beautiful thing. We leave lovingly. We don't leave when things are burning, right? However, Here comes a surprise twist. I feel like to completely move on, we'll have to stop communication. Is this normal? Do a lot of people go through that? Do you think it's even possible to stop talking and then maybe become friends later? I love your question. I really do because I think it's honest and it's full of care. Uh, Yes, a lot of people do need to take complete space to move on. Uh, Why? Well, it's a neurological, biological wiring that happens when we're in an attached, healthy relationship with someone. Um, and we have to go through the process of breaking that apart, like right, like we talked about that in the segment. Also, we have to go through the social identity change where now they're single, they have to tell people, people are gonna ask questions about the relationship. Um, We also have to go against the fantasies we built of what we thought we're gonna be doing. So the fantasies are gone, this identity of being someone's boyfriend or girlfriend in a relationship is gone. Uh, We have to step into what what that means to be single, maybe there's lonely nights, we have to move out or we're on our own over the weekend, right? So many pieces to it. We've lost a part of ourselves, truly. So people have to kind of ground themselves. We've now physically removed. Now we have to go through the psychological and emotional, right? And that takes longer. And we have to make sure we're staying off their social media, not keeping them psychologically or emotionally present or connected. Yeah, it's tough. It really is. But so is it normal? Yes. It's normal for many people need to take time and say, listen, let's let's talk in a few months. You know, we're both ready and kind of see where we're at. And then months later, sometimes all's well and you don't need, need to reconnect or circle back or you start to realize maybe it wasn't as compatible as you thought it was. And you're kind of like, wow, it was a really good thing. Or maybe in that time you've filled up that space with other things, or maybe you started dating someone new. right? And there's no room, or maybe there is. And yes, many people circle back. I have some sort of relationship to different levels with most of my uh, exes, definitely the serious ones. Yeah, and it took time apart. We needed time apart for sure. And what we did in that time was what was most important. right? You move on. You find happiness and joy. That's how you help moving you help making yourself move forward. If you stay, as difficult as it is to get out, but if you stay in those feelings and you keep going on their social media and you keep talking about them, it's harder. It takes longer. You're staying connected. You're forcing that connection to maintain. But I went out and lived my life. You know, I, I allowed my feelings of sadness and hurt. I didn't try to jump over that process, but I also continued continued on with my life. I found new things to do, new things that brought me joy. I got out there. I also started dating. And I met someone great, and that helps as well. And that's not a rebound. The length of time between relationships is not what determines the health or sustainability or length of the next relationship. It's the people. Are they compatible? Are they healthy? Some people go relationship to relationship, and that's what they do. They do great. And um, and then at some point, maybe you do circle back. Yeah, many people down the road, they bump into each other. They reach out and check in and say, how have you been? I've been thinking about you. And you kind of take the temperature. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing. Well done. Um, all right, y'all, that's our show. We'll be back on Monday. Y'all have a good weekend. Always rooted in self-care. Tons of joy and pleasure and rest, rest, rest. Set those boundaries. Turn your phone off. Don't check your email. Take a break. Get some alone time. Get in the car. Go for a drive. Go for a walk. Close the door. Take a bath. Dance around with some music. Whatever you gotta do. But um, we're, we're, we're finding that joy and pleasure. You know what I mean? We're really healing ourselves. Um, check out past episodes of Line over at wearechannelq.com. Y'all have a good rest of your night. And as always, thanks for hanging out.